This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome to Happy Homes and Gardens. I'm your host. My name is Daphne Royce. I am a real estate broker, architecture, and interior designer. Boba tea originated in Taiwan, has been imported to California since the 90s. Boba tea has now become a popular drink for all ages. Have you ever wondered why boba tea is in such high demand? Let's welcome Andrew Chow, the co-founder of Boba Guys, to share his insights. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Hey, Daphne. Uh, thanks for having me today. I want to share my drink right now. Oh, I was going to say I'm I'm sharing it too. I forgot. Um, I would have um, been more prepared uh, with my nice wardrobe, but I'm in our office and then stores later. So I'm very casual. I just made myself my own um, coffee drink today. Now you made me wonder. I need to ask you first questions. Tell us who you are and why you list your job position as a co-founder. And a janitor. <laughs> yeah,、um, I'll get to know your audience, or they'll get to know me in a bit. I high level.、Uh, I I'm just like an immigrant kid. My parents were. My mom's from Taiwan, from Taipei, and then my dad's from Guangzhou. So right away, I grew up with a very、uh, in this East Asian culture, but a very kind of split household between kind of Cantonese kind of speaking culture and then Mandarin speaking culture. So. Right away, there I was already this kid with kind of like an identity crisis. So,、um, and I think when as I grew up, I think you know this is in a time where I'm sure you've had other guests talk about it too, where we didn't really have a very strong identity for Asians in America. And so, you know, at the time I was growing up, I was just kind of discovering myself. And there were very few things that were very Asian, right? There was Bruce Lee, which you probably saw on TV at the time. Maybe you saw Connie Chung on TV. She was like the news anchor that everybody talked about. And probably the third thing was maybe food. You saw like Chinese restaurants and、um, you know early day boba shops. Chinatowns. Chinatowns. Yeah, yeah. Chinatowns, Koreatowns, Vietnams, Japantowns. Those kind of ethnic kind of enclaves were the only places you had, you know, foods from all of our ancestors and, and cultures. So. Kind of who I am is, I used to say third culture, but I've been lately not liking that term because I don't think. I think there are days where definitely you know me. Like I, there are days I, I'm very Chinese, Taiwanese, like very Asian, and I will go all day without speaking any English. You know, yesterday actually was with my with my family, and I spoke pretty much Cantonese the whole five six hours, because、um, my family was over for、um, for holiday. Uh, and then, other days, like now, I'm doing an, an interview in English the whole time. So I like to say not third culture, but both cultures. There are days where I'm fully, you know, Asian, and then there are days I'm fully kind of like Western American. So that's kind of who I am. And then high level boba guys, we just wanted to make、uh, my co-founder and I and our team now wanted to make boba for everyone. So I mean, your audience、um, is kind of from all over, a little bit more cultured. So. You know, I, I hope people could see us as more like a global drink company. Like the drinks that we we do are inspired by beverages from all over the world, not just Asian, but also Latin, Caribbean,、uh, South American. 
Can you tell my audience what is boba and how、mm -hmm. is boba tea created in Taiwan? Yeah.、Um, well, this is.、Um, I'm a little embarrassed because I'm actually not drinking boba in my drink right now. <laughs> But for the most part, for those who don't know, boba is going to be hard to describe、um, unless you're watching this video that we're doing. But if you're just listening on the podcast or audio, I'll describe it as a think of a round circle like gummy bear. It's like the size of a gobstopper. If you know your candies, I like candy, of course.、Um, and you would chew it, and it's kind of like the texture of a gummy bear. It's traditionally made out of cassava, which is tapioca. So,、um, and you know, in the '80s, the story goes there was a very well-known、um, tea shop.、Um, there's two actually, but one of the more famous one is called Tunsaytan, and it was like essentially a tea house and. One of the managers had the idea of adding desserts, which at the time, you know, in in Malaysia, Malaysia, and um, and uh, Philippines, there was a lot of dessert like jellies and custards, and so sago was another one. But then tapioca they used to make desserts, and they combined that with milk tea, which had already existed.、Um, milk tea culture had existed primarily from、um, Europe and、um, parts of Mongolia. The Manchurians did milk tea, so you combine the liquid like a milk tea with the beverage with a dessert, and that's how you got boba milk tea, which is what now is is the drink in the category. So we see this around all the country, but most of people, what, what people will say now is, we do a style that's more like a coffee meets coffee shop meets、um, boba shop, where we have a lot more. I mean, our ingredients are very high end. We use like organic milk. We make everything in house. So if you ever come to a boba guys, my company, our our we're probably going to be more competing against like your everyday coffee shop that serves like you know really great drinks like specialty coffee, mint mojitos, churro lattes. We're probably more in that world versus just a strict boba shop. And what is your favorite drinks at boba guys? Just curious.、Hmm. I'm an entrepreneur, so I could be fickle. <laughs> so. I would say I've been drinking a lot of the matcha. I think you're drinking a matcha right now, right? Yes. Yeah, I drink a lot of matcha with oat milk and kuramitsu.、Um, I also love the banana milk with espresso on top. And then right now we have a seasonal drink called the sapin sapin, which is based off of a Filipino、um, uh, kind of dessert, essentially, which jackfruit. Uh, ube coconut, and that one is probably my favorite drink. But it's kind of sweet, so I can't, you know, I have to avoid my sugar because I'm around sugar every day. <laughs> Too much sugar. I know you have a, another complex drink. That ingredient was with the vanilla, chocolate, oat milk, espresso, sugar, claw form, and brownie riddles. Oh, oh yeah, you saw that recently. <laughs> yes. What is that? Well, that one.、Um, what we're trying to do here. So, if you follow my my, there's the Boba Guys Instagram and social media, and then there's、uh, my Instagram and social media. So, me as a founder, I get asked a lot about what drinks I drink because I go to cafes. I have to build cafes for a living, and、um, the secret is I have a really good team. So it's not like I know everything. My team, this guy Alex, runs all our product. So he kind of is is probably one of the few people that actually just. Taste as many drinks as I do because our job is to stay、um, current with all the trends. 
So what I do is I try to create drinks online. So you're describing a drink that I made recently that was kind of inspired by um, in LA, there's all these churro latte drinks. Like it's very big right now. So that's essentially a cinnamon, oat milk, vanilla drink. It's almost like a horchata, traditionally like a Mexican horchata is built in the same flavor pro- profile. And then also, um, there's also the standard mocha, which you get in a cafe. A mocha is just chocolate and espresso and, and, and a latte, essentially a chocolate latte. So I thought, okay, well, everybody's asking about, you know, a lot of these special drinks. And so what you saw was that the other day I made and combined them all, but it was really tedious. It was probably like maybe like a six, seven step process to kind of combine everything if I built it from scratch. And so that's what I made. It was actually tied to a movie that's coming out, which, you know, a quick shout out to, it'll probably be out by the time this podcast episode airs, but Joyride with our friends, um, and you know, Adele Lim. So we're, Boba Guys is doing a collaboration with this movie. Actually, um, this collaboration, I have a sticker. So by the time it's come out, and we made a drink called the Brownie Tuesday, which is a, is a fictional K-pop group from the movie. So what I did was I essentially made a coffee version of that for fun. I actually so watched I, Jerry Ryan already. It's a very good movie. It's out of two days from now, right? On 7th? Yeah, so it'll be out. Um, and so if you're listening, go watch it. And if you're listening way in the future, please download and watch it on your streaming platform. <laughs> But for now, go to theaters. Yes. I just want to say all of that two-minute spiel on what the drink was, you still cannot order it. So so I I just made that drink so people can make it at home. But that drink is so complex, it would not be uh, financially viable for my team to make it because there's just so much labor involved. It would probably be like a $10 drink, which nobody would pay for because wow. there's too many steps to it. Yeah, Very interesting. You have an MBA, an MBA from Berkeley Business School. Mm-hmm. What made you interested in tea and beverage business? That's a great question. I would say, I think most people who do business school, you know, no matter if it's Berkeley, Stanford, Harvard, or you know, any school where you're trying to be a leader, that's what an MBA is—a leadership degree. I think it, the question is: is where do you just want to apply your leadership? For me, I felt that the best way I can apply my leadership is probably in people businesses. Because, I mean, for an Asian, I don't want to get into stereotypes, but I, I am pretty animated and um, uh, I'm, I'm just very people-oriented. And I've always been since I was young. I was always done like student government. I've always been kind of like a out-in-front leader. And, you know, my co-founder is actually the opposite. He's not very out-in-front. He's much more reserved. So, you know... When we started our company, he is a great, amazing designer and creative director. We could have done anything. But I think for us, food was very personal, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more, is that at the time we started, which was 12 years ago, there was a lot, not a lot of representation for Asians. And there was just not a lot of kind of storytelling in food. And one thing that I think we're known for is we we tell stories in food and It's harder. I'll say it's definitely harder to kind of think about nuance and to think about dialogue and to kind of explain things. You know, our society, there's a like, you know, a large part of society is like, oh, it's not my job to teach you. It's not my job to tell you 
what my culture is about. And I, 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 if you're watching and you disagree, I hope you see from my perspective, which is, I think it is your job. I think it is kind of um, what I think, in my opinion, why leaders and the country is so poorly, operationally poor right now. Uh, we're very dysfunctional. And it's because leaders and people just are like, well, it's not my job to help them. It's not my job. Well, that's fine. But then whose is it? Because I grew up in a culture where, you know, people taught me about, you know, uh, I grew up in New Jersey. People taught me about Italian food and Jewish food because that's what I grew up around, you know? And if they didn't teach me, I would know nothing about it right now. And there are people right now learning about ube, learning about teguanying oolong or a sapin sapin, as I said, or I'm wearing, I think, a Kalimansi shirt. People, you know, 10 years ago, if unless you're Filipino, didn't know what Kalimansi was. You know, it was like this, you know, citrus kind of fruit that is very popular in the Philippines, in Southeast Asia. It's our job to teach. If, if it's not, then I think that's what's breaking the, the, the kind of the cycle. And I, I think that's why, in many cases, the culture is kind of eroding. So... I'm not here for a sociology talk, but I do think my job is to kind of run a company and within my culture, my ecosystem, I, I train all our team to think that way. And if you disagree, I'm sorry, then don't come to Boba guys. But um, I think it is our job to, to make people think more and think deeper. If you shortcut and make everything kind of like cheap and diet, um, and it kind of like insults people's intelligence. So, and that's probably what I learned in Berkeley too. You know, like I think it's not about going to a good school. I know I have a lot of books and this is very kind of like nerdy because I'm, I'm talking about this while I'm with my books behind me. But I, I honestly think, you know, I think as a society, you know, we could think a little harder. You know, most of us are growing up in America where, you know, usually when you're at the top of civilization kind of in any time, like the Romans, the Greeks, the, you know, the people who are kind of, in charge of the world superpowers, they usually also, the, the, the public of each one of these civilizations also kind of phoned it in and they kind of took things for granted. And that's usually what ends up becoming the fall of each of these civilizations. It's the, the, the hubris or the, they got too smug. So I definitely think we, we need to kind of like embrace a little bit more of like curiosity and to learn about other people more. I like what you think, and I think education always the key for a lot of answers. Mm-hmm. Tell us what are those books behind you, and what you <laughs> uh, did you ever watch? There's an old show, Daphne. Did you ever watch a show called Reading Rainbow? Did you remember that show? Did you ever? It was on PBS. I don't recall that. Sorry. The great show by Lavar Burton was the host, and the theme song was like "Butterfly in the Sky." I can fly twice as high. If you take a look, it's in a book, Reading Rainbow. So the the opening song lyrics are basically about, if you take a look, it's in a book, Reading Rainbow. And it's the idea that, you know, you can expand your horizons through reading. And as someone who grew up with immigrant parents who did not speak great English, like I primarily still speak my the Chinese, Mandarin or Cantonese to my parents to this day. Um, the only way I kind of learned American culture when I was young, because I was, I'm the eldest, my, I have a younger sister, but I had no cousins. I'm the eldest cousin too on all my sides of the family. I only could learn through books. And so I was very bookish, 
books were like my escape. I would read things like Boxcar Children. I would read, you know, um, uh, well now he's kind of canceled, but uh, Raoul Dahl. He wrote James and the Giant Peach. Um, I wrote uh, Louis Sackar, um, who wrote, you know, I think uh, Sunday Stories or something like that. And, and so all these books that I grew up on allowed me to experience culture and expand my mind and horizons. So what I have behind me are none of those books. <laughs> my books are all nerdy now at this point. I have like books about starting companies, about, you know, um, expanding your skill set. One of my favorite books is, I think it's uh, David Epstein. I don't know where it is. Oh, right here. It's the teal black one. It's it's about called Range. And it's the idea that in a world that is becoming more and more interdisciplinary, we we kind of in the past rewarded specialists. You know, in America we're like, oh, only this is a coffee shop, this is a this is a tea shop, this is a boba shop, this is he's an engineer, she's a mechanic. Um if you kind of put America is very black and white or the culture is very kind of like specific where I think the future and, and that's what the book is saying is the future of employment of labor. And just, I think in culture is having a broad generalist view of things. And, you know, I think in the ancient times, like the Greeks, I was reading that, you know, they really embraced polymath, you know, polymath is the idea that you can be an expert in many different disciplines at the same time. So you, you know, Leonardo da Vinci was actually an engineer. Um, if I remember, I forget which one he was first, but he was known for painting, you know, like these great uh, frescoes and stuff. But he was also an engineer and he was like an architect or something too. And so you're like, well, what is that? You know, how is that combined? Because people see one as a painter and one as kind of like this, this engineering mind. And I think we as a society like to bucket people in that way when I think we're a lot broader than that. I mean, you, you're a realtor, right? You do real estate, but you're also hosting this show. And so I don't think, you know, we, I think we could probably think a little broader now. So I think that's one of my favorite books. And I have a lot of other books behind me. Um, I have like almost all nonfiction though. All my, all my books are like reference books. So they're very nerdy. I, I, I rarely read our fiction. I don't know why. I don't read fiction either. So oh, really? Like oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I just why. want inspirations for me. Well, tell us, there are hundreds of boba shops in the Bay Area. What makes your one of the top-ranked boba shops? Mm. Yeah, I would say, I don't know if we're top-ranked, because I don't know if there's a really good value, uh, an objective way to evaluate, but I think we're one of the most popular, according to the internet. And I think the popularity comes from, we tell, we do a boba in a style that's different from most people. And we're pretty original. So I don't think you either love us or hate us, but more people love us than hate us. And what they do, if you really understand us, they, they're like, wow, you know, the company thinks really hard about drinks and culture. And we also invest a lot in the community. So most boba shops, um, and I know a lot of the boba shop owners, so none of this is, is any way like a overly competitive or like, you know, in a, a criticizing anybody. It's just that most boba shops are franchised. Most boba shops have a different purpose. You know, uh, some people are just trying to make a living, right? So they're not thinking about things like, you know, community involvement or representation because to them, they just, they're, they're immigrants or they, that's the only 
thing they want to do. And so they're not trying to create, you know, you know, content for tea and, and make it cool. That's kind of what we do, but not everybody has the same mission in their company. So, and then if you're franchise, as most boba shops are, about 95% of boba shops are coming from franchising, then your, your, your purpose is really, if you're in a franchise, you're probably going to mainly do it for profits. Otherwise, if it was about storytelling, you would have started your own company. You would have started your own brand. So to me, that's kind of like why I think we're differentiated because we have a very strong point of view. We don't franchise. And so you're talking to like one of the two guys that run it. And so if you like what I have to say on this podcast or what we do, you know, then you gravitate to us because most of the other ones are almost all the same. Similar structure. In many cases, people don't know this. The money flows back into the same families. Um, I actually know a lot of the team and the families. And, you know, everybody thinks like to say Boba Guys is big. Yeah, but if you're going to a, a local franchise operator, it's very likely it's going to a large family office back in Asia. I, I know I'm Taiwanese. So I, I go to Taiwan. I'm about, I just booked my Taiwan ticket today. You know, it's just a different way of operating. And then on top of that, our drink and our storytelling is more reminiscent of a coffee shop. So on top of that, it's very hard for boba shops to kind of tell stories the same way. We talk about, you know, where everything comes from. We use Strauss organic milk, or we use this type of bean from this farmer from with this company. Um, right now you couldn't tell, but the drink that I'm experimenting with that I put on my personal Instagram today is it's a sesame milk. So everyone's like, what's the next big alternative milk? And I'm testing a coffee with a sesame milk right now as I, as I talk to you. So that type of storytelling isn't really done at a boba shop. It's more likely a coffee shop doing that. Um, so other than that, I have no idea why we, we've made it so big. Uh, <laughs> I think sometimes, I mean, most of the times nowadays, I don't know what I'm doing because we're at a size where, I mean, we're too big where, where we're not in the mom and pop, but we're not, we're not, we're not a small, like a mom and pop, but we're, we're not Starbucks. I don't have that kind of resourcing. So I'm kind of still scrappy and we don't have like venture capital money. So a lot of what we do is a lot more like go, you know, make it up as you go, uh, which is scary. That's a whole something I'll talk about. That's how I met you, right? We we did an event together. And, you know, if I had a board, if I had investors, they would say, don't do these events. These events have no ROI. But I did the event because, um, you know, we're both, you know, we know, uh, I don't know, we both support Michelle Yeoh. And we met her during a lot of the, the screenings that we did for a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. So I think... You know, there's no ROI in that. It was just, I knew she was, you know, um, a part of cu a cultural moment. And I, Boba Guys, my company wanted to support it. So, yeah, again, other than that, I don't know what to do. I don't know what we're going to do with the company. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how big it's going to get. Um, we're stuck in California where a lot of businesses are failing. So <laughs> on top of that, I don't know what's after California. I heard you are going to have a shops in Southern California. Congratulations. Thank how you. How are you going to manage them and maintain quality control? Yeah, well, we currently already have LA and New York, so they're already open. But I think 
we did close some of them down and we essentially had to reopen them. So it's like starting a brand new company again. So it was hard. How do you make a name control? I would say, I don't know if this is like this in real estate, but um, do you ever like throw like a rock in uh, like a lake or a pool of water and then it ripples? And the further out it you are from the original center of the ripple, the, the less kind of like high the wave is. And the, the strongest wave, the strongest signal is always the one closest to the epicenter. Well, I think that's like that in leadership and culture. And so if the stores that are closest to, to the core unit of Boba Guys, which is the Bay Area, we generally have a very strong culture. We have 13 stores up here in the Bay Area. So we generally, are, that's kind of what we're known for. In LA, which is an hour from San Francisco by flight, it still has very strong culture, but it, it is a little bit like maybe 80%, 90% of the culture that we have in the Bay Area. And then New York is is probably even worse. It's probably um, not worse, but New York is harder to kind of convey, you know, across the country through different time zones, through different ways of even approaches of, of talking about sustainability, talking about entertainment, talking about culture. For example, we have drinks in California that we don't have in New York because in California, we have a big Filipino population. So you, it's very, you're, you don't have to explain calamansi, sapin sapin, ube, but for other parts of the country they don't have a lot of filipino population so it is um you have to explain a lot more um but there's part there's things in new york that you don't have to explain in uh in in you have to explain more in in west coast so there's certain drinks because of the population in new york where it's you know a lot of dominican puerto rican um uh, you like uh, Queens, a lot of like specific um, parts of Asia uh, immigrants. So those create a certain cuisine, a certain culture that is very different from San Francisco. Do yeah. you tell me that East and West Coast has different cultures for drinks? As I was saying, the Filipino drinks are kind of more on the West Coast. We also have a, a big um, like Mexican um, Hispanic population that is primarily from Mexico or Central America. So the style of a drink that we make, because uh, we about one quarter of our team is uh, Latino, Latina. So they, you know, they they come from Spanish speaking or Portuguese, Spanish, mostly Spanish speaking uh, cultures. So they're in many of them because they're many times they're colon colonies by Spain. Uh, they have a style of one drink called the horchata. So there's different types of horchata. There's a Mexican horchata. There's a Spanish horchata. There's a Salvadorian horchata. So it depends on where you are, even in the world. One drink that we all know as kind of like cinnamon rice milk is slightly different because they use, you know, like chufa, like tiger nut or something in uh, whatever different type of uh, ingredient and it will alter the flavor. Same with uh, uh, naita milk tea there's there's hyeonggong naita right hyeonggong naita is using usually evaporated milk sometimes with condensed milk so it has this kind of evaporated milk fat taste that you have in your mouth and the 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 milk is very honol it's very 
deep and a little bit bitter. But you also have regular Taiwanese milk tea, which is a lot more frothy, and you shake it. And so, and then you have Tetarik, which is Southeast Asia, like Singapore, you know, and that's a little bit different. And then you have Thai, which has like is also milk tea,、um, but you have cardamom,、uh, ginger, some spices in that. So that right there, that's all Asia. But that's all different styles of milk tea that are kind of the same, but not. So we do that even in California, where certain parts of our stores, you know, we have a store in Venice, and I love Venice, but Venice is not many Asians go out to Venice Beach. <laughs> so a lot of these Asian drinks are not going to be fully done there. We actually have a Middle Eastern drink using、um, essentially rose water、uh, cardamom called Ruasa. The syrup that is very well known in kind of like、uh, South Asian Desi culture, like Pakistani um, and um, Middle East culture, and it's a rose water essentially drink, and it has a different flavor profile that we generally don't see in East Asia. So I'm nerding out here,、um, but my job is to know culture of beverages, and I don't think I know all of it. But to me, I see those nuances. An average person would not see that when they walk into a cafe. I could see kind of where the breakdown is. Oh, a Spanish latte is here. A flat white is here. That's Australian coffee. Okay, how do we do a flat white? Oh, is a macchiato and a,、um, and a latte. How different is that? How much milk? What's the ratio? What order do you do it in? So to me, I drink. I think of that drink construction a lot more、um, harder, a lot more intellectualized than an average person. But.、Um, It's it's culture. That's all it is. It's culture. Not there's no right or wrong. It's what's normal. What's the most popular way of doing something?、Um, and that's kind of why we love doing what we do. Because you know, years ago, boba was not normal. Banana milk, that one of our famous drinks, was not normal. Strawberry matcha. Strawberries have existed for millennia. Matcha has existed for two millennia. Really, we, there's nobody really combining strawberry matcha until boba guys made it famous. It wasn't because we were better or incredible or anything like that. It was just. In our time, it was the right time to com- com- combine something very kind of like Californian strawberries and something very Asian matcha.、Um, and it came all came from a Kit Kat. You know, I was eating a Kit Kat bar that was a green tea Kit Kat and a strawberry Kit Kat, and I combined them in my mouth, and that was how we created strawberry matcha latte. So it's those small things that all it comes back to is culture. There are a lot of knowledge about drinks. I'm just yeah. Sorry, I, I went on a, a three-minute rant on, on not rant, but like TED talk on drinks. <laughs> And I know you are an entrepreneur. Do you think robot guys may someday use technology such as robots or AI to operate its detail outlets? Ooh, ooh. this is going to get me in trouble depending on how I answer this. Because I know people are going to watch. They're going to be like, "Oh, they're going to pick it apart." We can skip. <laughs> no, I want to answer this question. I don't. I'm known for never dodging questions because I think it's like,、um, again, it, it would insult the audience if they can't handle it. But I want to say it without making it like somebody picking apart my words. I believe technology and AI and all that. I think it's inevitable. I really do. I think if you don't think it's inevitable, I think you're living under a rock. So I think it's very provocative for me to say is, but in America we think about it very backwards. America is behind in technology. We think we're the best country in the world. Many times we are not. 
We're so behind in transportation, in healthcare, in technology, in food. Most of, right now, most of the top innovation in the world is actually coming out of Asia and the Middle East. Like Dubai, Dubai is the future city. Dubai and Shanghai is a race between which is the more future city of the world. Maybe Singapore. And I think America doesn't know that. We don't even know where that is. You can't even find that on a map. A lot of Americans, right? So, to me, when I hear people be like, "Oh, well, what about jobs?" I'm like, assume that the today's jobs are not going to be there. We have to. Driverless cars are already here, so I think you know America. We, if you're on top, it's very easy for you to dictate what the change is going to be. That's what America was for one century, but America lost all its powers. Everybody looks at America and be like, "Whatever happened to them? They're, they're killing each other. They got to fight all the time. They don't know how to think. They they never read about other countries. So we're never the inspiration anymore. Not anymore. And so what I do think, if we Do turn it around. I think it's going to be AI and robotics because AI had always been America's thing. AI, a lot of the, the short stories either came from Japan or America. So America, the culture has always had these like, you know, like the iRobot movies, like、uh, Isaac Asimov movie、uh, short stories, or you know,、uh, I used to read this guy Ray Bradbury. You know, he wrote、um, these books about sci-fi and. We have a culture for that, so we know it exists. And so, what I think will happen is, I hope we embrace that. Okay, robotics AI is going to come. So, what are we going to do about that now? In one year, in ten years, in a hundred years? And if Americans can think that way, then I think we're fine. So, self-driving cars—it's already going to happen. I'm sorry, it's already going to happen. Robotic self checkout has already happened. Go to Asia; everything is QR code. You don't even use cash in Asia. In America, we have this huge debate because we have a lot of classism. We have a bad, and people think I would not talk about it. But I'm, I understand the socioeconomic impacts, you know, despite what people think, you know, how I live. And you know, I, I, I do think, you know, in America, we have a hard time understanding how cashless society is going to work. Um, in Asia, you have to pay everything almost via, via you know,、uh, AliPay or you know, WeChat Pay, because it's it's kind of keeping cash around is is actually very dangerous. So,、uh, and you have a country over there where it's the same kind of inequality issues. So、um, you see that everywhere, actually, inequality is everywhere. So to me, I think we focus on the wrong problems. So. I'm kind of like not answering directly, but I do think the future of food, restaurants, and everything is going to approach, you know, automated QR codes, self. You know, it's going to be like that, and only for people who are really rich, which I'm not. I would pay thousands of dollars. They'll probably be the ones still using humans to serve them, and it's it's going to be a treat because they're going to be at a three Michelin star restaurant. You know, and people believe it or not, I actually haven't been to a Michelin star restaurant in years. I, do, I generally don't like expensive food because I do food for a living. So <laughs> I, I generally like my Chipotle's and、um, sweet greens. <laughs> Have you considered packaging your teeth in containers for sale at grocery store in the near future? We have actually. We、um, we did a test run, and it kind of.、Um, Uh, was doing well. We, we was a tea latte. There was like canned boba drinks essentially, and、um, during the pandemic, it kind of failed because the co-packer that we used went under. 
So we want to bring it back. We think the future is like, you know, putting our signature drinks in a can. That way you can be anywhere in America, not near a Boba Guys and still experience some of the more unique drinks we have. That would be great. I would love yeah. to have that. Mm-hmm. Do you intend to expand into different products? Ooh, I don't know yet. That's what I was saying earlier. You know, I don't, I think if we were more ambitious and if it was a lot more, if we, if I had like investors breathing down my neck, yeah, I probably, we would be all over. We would have tried so many different things. And now <laughs> I don't know what other products we would do. I don't, we did something different where we have like a Mahjong kind of concept where we kind of want to just teach people Mahjong. So we've taught maybe over, maybe a thousand people by now, Mahjong for the last year and a half. And then even before the pandemic, we've done some Mahjong stuff. So I think that's something where, you know, personally, it's like a own mission of mine. I'd be like, I taught this many people how to play Mahjong. I think that would be really cool to say that when I kind of, you know, about to die. I'm like, oh, what did you do in your life? I'm like, I'm this Asian guy who taught, you know, thousands of people how to make, play Mahjong when before that nobody drank, nobody played Mahjong. Just like no, not many people drank Boba until Boba guys got really popular and that kind of blew the doors wide open. So to me, I kind of like doing that, but how that's measured, I don't really have, I don't really have like, I'm not, it's not about money. It was about money. Um, we've said this before. Like, I would have sold the company a long time ago. At 20 stores, we're at 23. I should have sold the company to like a, any of these large restaurant chains or Starbucks or whatever, and we would have been retired. But I love culture. It's why I even do interviews. I don't ever really talk to newspapers. I only do long form, and it's because I want people to hear what we have to say in its context, versus like a small two sentence verbatim snippet, which. Is is why I think the part of the problem, which I'll talk about later, or I'll probably end with, is like I think the media is a huge problem with with our society today. It's, it's media is kind of the core issue. I have one question about my cup here. Oh yeah, can, can you tell me about your logo? Did you design it? Oh yeah, yeah. My co-founder did. He's actually a really talented designer. He's kind of like the. Um, It's an aardvark first. Some people ask, well, what if you can see, sorry for anybody listening on the audio part only, but I'm describing our logo, which is an aardvark. Um, it, not, it looks kind of like an anteater, but they're not even related. It just has like a long nose. And the reason is it's a spirit animal for us. So a spirit animal, depending on what culture you kind of grew up in, Native American, indigenous, or, or Asian culture, spirit animals are where You kind of like have an animal embody your your DNA, your, your your spirit. And for us, an aardvark is obscure. It's like you're not really sure what animal it is because people always ask, "What is it?" But you kind of recognize it, but you don't know the name of it. And it's friendly looking. It's kind of very kind of like it just eats ants and just kind of runs around all day. And um, it's kind of like how Ben, my co-founder, and I think of each other and our company, where. You know, we're not like it's very hard to say we're just a boba shop, and it's very hard to say we're the cafe. You can't really kind of pin us down. You're like when I hear people describe us on the internet or in interviews, or even just like、uh, friends just tell me they're like, I have a hard time describing your business to people because when I say it's a boba shop, it's not. But if I describe people, it's not a coffee shop either. So it's really hard. And then you you sell a lot of merchandise, 
So it's not like always just food. You you sell a lot of things with fashion and entertainment. So you're really hard to figure out. So I'm like, well, that's just like an aardvark. An aardvark is kind of like this really weird, obscure animal that um, that just embodies kind of our our kind of essence. That was very interesting. Actually, your logo <laughs> is very noticeable. I when I spot that, I know that right away. Hmm. 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 Thank you, Andrew, for your time. I really appreciate this interview. Yeah, thank you, Daphne. This was great. It was、uh, super、um, an honor interviewed by you, and then also to let me kind of share some of my deeper thoughts. I love your deep thought. I would never thought any any answer. <laughs> you thought we were just talking about boba and 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 sugar all day, huh? <laughs> yeah, I actually know you more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening, everyone. You have just listened to Tall Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit www. touchalife. org.